0: The danger of giving the world a foothold in your life is that it can quickly become a stranglehold. Give yourself a fighting chance today as Turning Point and Dr. David Jeremiah share the important reminder that Jesus came to help you overcome the world. Are you ready to discover Christ's plan for being an overcomer? Listen as David introduces the conclusion of his message, Loving the
1: World. Friends, it's uh, it's a very interesting study that we're in the midst of right now. How to live the Christian life in a world that is unfriendly to what you believe in, who you honor, and how to live in this world. And and we all have to live in the world, but we can't allow the world to live in us. We can't allow the world to take over our lives because Jesus Christ desires preeminence in us. He wants to be the one who sits on the throne in the throne room of our life. And we're talking about how we deal with that here in this passage of Scripture. We'll get to our study in just a moment. A reminder to you that uh, we are very uh, very dependent upon your giving during the month of December. We try not to talk about money at all during the body of teaching during the year. In um, January, February, March, we might mention it periodically, but we don't dwell on it because it's not our main purpose. And we don't have to do that because in June, which is the end of our fiscal year, and in December, which is the end of the calendar year, We ask you to help us, and when you do that, you enable us to be free of any concerns about the support of these programs around the world, and uh, your generosity is just so appreciated. This year, when you send your gift to Turning Point during the month of December, if you will ask for it, we'll send you the beautiful leather devotional, Every Day with Jesus, which is the 2022 devotional, and uh, it's, it's more beautiful than ever. It's blue and tan. It's hand-stitched. It has beautiful silver embossed letters on the front of it in the middle. Uh, As you open the pages, there's color everywhere. And there's a devotional reading for you to start every day in the new year. 365 devotional readings in this leather devotional. It's our way of saying thank you to all of you who so generously get behind Turning Point Not just in December, but throughout the year. Your year-end gift is especially meaningful. And the devotional is our way of saying thank you. Well, we're going to finish up our discussion. We started this yesterday. What does it mean to love the world? And why? Why does John tell us not to do that?
2: Now, in order to illustrate the things of the world, John gives us three things to consider, and these are pretty famous thoughts. The lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life now first of all let me neutralize the word lust every time you hear that word in our culture today it always means one thing it means sexual immorality or sexual looseness or whatever but the word lust here doesn't mean that necessarily it's just a word for desire you could put the word desire in the place of lust and it would be pretty close the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life And he's going to use these three terms to help us understand how the world works. But more than that, to help us understand how Satan uses the world to destroy our walk with God. Now let's first of all take a look briefly at these three terms and make sure we know what they mean. And then we'll go into the strategy just a little bit. First of all, the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh is the inward part of temptation. It is inwardly wanting your own way. It's your inward desires. Ray Steadman wrote a paragraph about it that's about as crystal clear as I can read. He goes like this, God has so made our bodies that they hunger for food in order to maintain life. This is as it should be, but the flesh goes beyond and it craves special foods and delicacies and it urges us to gluttony. It demands the best. This is what John is speaking of. God has made us to have the need of shelter as human beings but the flesh demands that it be luxurious shelter. There is a constant craving for ease and luxury. This is the lust of the flesh. God gives us the wonderful function of sex, which produces the most enjoyable sensation the body can experience. But the flesh wants to indulge this gift in any direction at any given time without any restriction. This is the lust of the flesh. So the lust of the flesh are those inward desires that we all have, When we yield to the lust of the flesh, we take all of the governors off of that, and we just allow the lust of the flesh to drive us any direction it would go. That's how the world works. The world says, if it feels good, do it. That's the world system. No restrictions whatsoever. Then there's the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes are temptations that come to us from outside of our body wanting everything for ourselves, This is the tendency to be captivated by the outward show of things without understanding their real values. It results in runaway extravagance. It's the desire for more when more may not even be necessary. It's the desire for things we do not need, bought with money we do not have, in order to impress people we don't even like. That's what it is. And then there's the pride of life. The pride of life is a little more sinister than the other two and and all of us here at one time or another have had to deal with this in our own life. The pride of life is wanting to appear important. This has to do with the desire to be noticed, to be driven by our egos, to be important. Barclay says it is the desire to impress everyone we meet with our own non-existent importance. It is arrogance associated with wealth sometimes or position sometimes. It's the desire to create envy and jealousy in the hearts of other people. So that we do not buy that new car because it's the car we really want, but we buy that new car because we know that's the car that's gonna make our neighbors down the street really look at us with envy and jealousy. And when we back it out of the driveway, it's not that we're excited about having this new car. We could be happy with any number of cars. But oh, what a rush it is to see them looking out of their blinds at our new car as we go down the street. We use that to give envy and jealousy to others. That's what the pride of life is. Now, here's what I want you to understand. This is really the most important thing about this. These three things are the summary of Satan's strategy for you and for me. This is his three-pronged attempt to take those of us who are Christians and drag us out of our fellowship with God back into the world from which we were saved. And this is the strategy that Satan uses all of the time. He doesn't have a strategy number two. He just got strategy number one. This is it, three things. He uses it on everybody. He uses it on you, he uses it on me. Don't look for anything different. Whatever he's doing to you or to me is some variation of this three-point strategy The lust of the flesh the lust of the eyes and the pride of life when the first temptation in the Bible took place Satan was the tempter guess what he did so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise she took of its fruit and ate she also gave her husband with her and he ate now watch carefully she saw that the tree was good for food That's the lust of the flesh. She saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. That's the lust of the eyes. And she saw that it was a tree to be desired to make her wise, the pride of life. What strategy did Satan use on Adam and Eve? The only strategy he's got, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Well let's bring it forward from Genesis all the way to the New Testament. Let's get into the first book of the New Testament, the book of Matthew. And this time Satan's not tempting Adam and Eve. This time he takes Jesus out into the wilderness and he's going to tempt the Lord Jesus. Now you would think if he was going to come up with a new strategy any time he'd come up with one for the Lord Jesus. Guess what? Wrong. He used the same strategy on the Lord Jesus. Read with me from the book of Matthew chapter 4 and watch carefully how this happens. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God... Command that these stones become bread, the lust of the flesh. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Lord, put on a show, the lust of the eyes. And again, the devil taketh him to a high mountain, and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all of their glory, and said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Uh, pride of life. In the book of Genesis, in the book of Matthew, in the book of First John, it's always the same. Satan's strategy for you and for me is to get us sucked back into these worldly things so that he short-circuits our love for God. And in every way he is able to do that, he accomplishes his goal. And that's why there are so many people who are truly Christians who are genuinely unhappy They're unhappy because the only way you can have joy is to have fellowship with God and to know his plan for your life And when you allow all these things to start getting their hooks back into you It keeps you from knowing what God wants you to know and that's his wonderful love for you and his plan for your life Here's the third thing That happens loving the world destroys your fellowship with God Loving the world denies your faith in God and thirdly loving the world discounts your future with God watch what happens in verse 17? And the world is passing away and the lust of it but he who does the will of god abides forever so if you get hooked back into the world you're getting hooked back into something that's got no future and as much as you're into it you've got no future there is no future in the world one of these days it's gone but he who does the will of god abides forever did you know the bible tells us that one day this whole world is going to go up in a cloud of smoke There's only two things that are eternal that's the word of god and the people of god everything else is gone and so everything you invest yourself in that doesn't have eternity stamped on it might be all right for a momentary enjoyment but it's got no longevity it's got the shelf life of the last car you bought and it's not going to bring you joy what john is telling us here is this to love the world is to squeeze out your love for god And to choke God's influence in your life Martin Luther once said I've held many things in my hands and I have lost them all but the things I placed in God's hands I still possess helps you to understand the words of Jim Elliot the great missionary who died at the hands of the Aka Indians he had gone there to evangelize them and they took his life when they recovered his journal after the Indians had killed him in his journal were found these words he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So J.B. Phillips paraphrases 1 John two fifteen through 17 like this. Listen up. For the whole world system, based as it is on men's primitive desires, their greedy ambitions, and the glamour of all they think is splendid, is not derived from the Father at all, but from the world itself. The world and all its passionate desires will one day disappear, but the man who is following God is part of the permanent and cannot die now two questions before we close our bibles why do christians who have been saved out of this whole world system which is true why do we end up getting back why do we go back and dabble in it and end up ruining our own joy and our peace did you know that there's not anything more miserable on the face of god's earth than a christian who's out of fellowship with god did you know that more miserable than an unsaved person you know why 'Cause an unsafe person's never known the joy of the Lord. A backslidden person's known the joy of the Lord. And when they get all tangled up in the world again and they lose that joy, they are really a wreck. We see some of these wrecks. They come to see us because of what happened in their life. Why do we get caught? Well, I gotta tell you that nobody ever gets up one morning and says, Today's the day I'm gonna go out and mess up my life. Nobody does that. It's not a conscious decision on our part, it's an unconscious thing. It's a gradual giving in to the little things in life that little by little just take us down the wrong road. I don't have to get specific with all of you because you all can apply that to the situations you face. But I did find this little list of progressions in the Bible that I thought would be helpful to you just to write down, and I'm going to go through them quickly, and you put them down in your notes. Did you know that we get caught back into the world kind of slowly? It starts with the friendship of the world, James 4.4. Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God. And then after we've made friendship with the world we are spotted by the world james 1 27 says pure and undefiled religion before god and the father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world what does that mean well you become friends with the world and then the world gets a little hook into you you know you get a little spot there the world's got a little bit of a hold on you then after that you start loving the world first john two fifteen: love not the world or the things in the world and finally if you're not careful you end up in romans twelve two. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You start out as a friend of the world, then you're spotted by the world, then you're loving the world, then you're conformed to the world. You see how subtle it is? Little by little, you get pulled back because Satan knows he can't do anything to mess up where you're going to spend eternity if you've accepted Christ. But he sure can render you ineffective while you're on this earth by getting you caught back up in all of the system that we all have to deal with every day. All right. That's the first question. Here's the last one. How do I deal with this if it's going on in my life? Well, there's a lot of different ways I could express this, but here's something I thought was pretty exciting. In the book of 1 John, on three different occasions, the word overcome appears, or in three different passages, it is used. Here's what we need, friends. We need something that will help us to overcome the world. Amen? Well, let's look and see if we can find the secret to this in John's writing to us he's given us Satan's strategy we understand it's a part of the world system but he's also dropped along the way some hints as to how we can be victorious over it let me just give you the three that I found in first John first of all we overcome the world through the positive assurance of our faith first John 5 4 and 5 for whatever is born of God Overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world even our faith Who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God? Satan's first strategy into the heart of every believer is to cause you to doubt your salvation to Question whether or not you are a believer listen to what John says He says you begin to be an overcomer by having the absolute positive assurance that you're born of God that you know him So here's what I'd like to ask you. Do you know for sure? Do you know that you know that you know? Can you say, I don't have any doubts. I know that I'm a Christian because I remember when I trusted Christ as my Savior. I remember the moment I invited him into my life. There's no question in my heart. He is my Savior. I may not always live like it, but I promise you I am a Christian. If you can say that, that's the beginning place. Because if Satan can get you doubting your salvation if he can mess with the assurance of your relationship with God you are dead meat <laughs> You can't recover from that The positive assurance of your faith. Here's the second one. We overcome through the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives 1st John 4 4 listen to this you are of God little children and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world how do you overcome by the power of the holy spirit who lives within you you say pastor jeremiah how am i supposed to deal with all of these temptations and all these stresses you can't do that in your own strength don't even try you know i hear people all the time talking about how brave they are well i'm going to let satan know today man don't go there don't do that you are no match for satan i promise you satan is a very powerful person not as powerful as god by any means but very powerful and far more powerful than any of us in this room if we are doing it in our own strength but the Bible says that God has given us the Holy Spirit who lives within us and listen to this greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world when you depend on the Holy Spirit and you ask the Holy Spirit to fill you every day and you put on the armor of the Lord and you go out to battle in this world the Holy Spirit will give you a sensitivity to those little concessions that you're prone to make and he'll help you not to make those concessions Pray every day, Lord God, I'm at war. Help me to see every little move that the enemy makes so when it starts, I'll be sensitive to it and I can move away from it. Here's what my experiences have been, that when those things start to happen, we have a sense in the back of our mind that it's going on. It may not be up here, but it's back here somewhere. We have this sense, this is not something I should be doing. This is not someplace where I should be. This is not a relationship I should be in. This is not a place where I should be hanging out. Who does that? The Holy Spirit does that. I often call him the automatic sin alarm system. That's who he is, you know? You go where you're not supposed to go, and wham, it goes off. Can I get a witness? You know what I'm talking about? Well, don't don't reach down and turn off the alarm. I mean, that's what some of you do. The Holy Spirit is witnessing in your spirit to try to help you to keep out of the clutches of the world. And when you hear the alarm, don't silence it. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. You overcome by the positive assurance of your faith. And you overcome by the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And then thirdly, we overcome through the power of the Word of God in our hearts. Notice 1 John 2, 13 and 14. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the Word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. Paul drives home this point in his letter to the Romans and listen to his encouragement. He says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? Through the Word of God. Constantly letting the Word of God flow through your heart and your mind, and it pushes out the other things that would come to take you away. Isn't this a great truth? Don't love the world or the things that are in the world, because if you do, it will short-circuit your relationship with God. The world is not your friend it's your enemy make sure you understand this we don't get a chance to get out of the world until the rapture we've got to live in this world but the Bible says we are in the world but we are not of the world we used to sing a spiritual when I was growing up this world is not my home I'm just a passing through my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue and that's true we are pilgrims and strangers on this earth in this world but as long as we're here we've got to learn how To survive and how to do battle and make sure we don't get sucked into the thing that will ruin our relationship with the Lord You wonder why you don't grow more? John has given us the clue here. We start on the path toward growth and then we start looking around and we see all this stuff, you know And all of a sudden we lose our focus and we begin to slow You see one of the things we all need to be aware of is That there are two worlds (laughs) We're living in two worlds. We're living in this world system, but we're not of it. We're living in the world that God has given to us, and that's the world of our faith. An old commentator by the name of Candlish summed up these two worlds in a rather stilted statement, but one that I think you will get and understand. Listen to him. Of the fashion of the world, it may be truly said that the more you try it, the less you find it to be satisfying. It looks well. It looks fair at first. But who that has lived long has not found it to be empty at last. It is altogether otherwise with the will of God. That will often looks hard at the beginning. It often looks dark. But go on and prove it. Prove it patiently and perseveringly with prayer and pain, and you will get growing. Clearness, light, enlargement, joy, You will more and more find that the path of the justice is the shining light that shines more and more to the perfect day. Here's what he's saying. The world front loads its pleasures and back loads its pain. The Christian life sometimes front loads the pain and the stress, but it back loads the pleasure. You know, I'd rather be moving toward joy than moving away from it, wouldn't you? And that's why i've chosen to live my life for the lord and to walk with him in fellowship oh i am impacted by all of these things just as you are the reason i'm so good at explaining them is because i've experienced them all and the reason i can tell you what it's like is because i've been there and done that i know how satan likes to get his hooks into you i've watched him over some periods of my life where little by little he drug me into something that i didn't want to be in and all of a sudden i found myself there but I also know that you can be an overcomer. You can be an overcomer through the positive assurance of your faith the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life and the power of the word of God in your heart.
1: Amen. You know, there's, there's no reason for us to be enslaved by the principles of the world, which are opposed to God. Because when we put our trust in him, he gives us the power to live above all of that. There's never been a time when that has been more necessary. And friends, you don't want to live in the world today. It is downward. It is drastic. It is pretty deadly in where it's going. So thank God for the joy we have in Christ and for the ability and the strength he gives us to live in the world, but not of the world. Don't forget now, this is Friday, and um, we want you to make sure you go to church on the weekend. I won't say much more about that except if you're able to go and there's a place near you where the Word of God is taught and Jesus Christ is lifted up, you be there. Be there and be ready to help. As someone said, be there in the moment and uh, let the church be a blessing to you and you be a blessing to the church. And then if you uh, have opportunity, you can watch Turning Point on television. If it's during church time, DVR Turning Point and watch it later. Um, And uh, just make sure you have a great weekend in the Lord we are so excited to be in the month of December. Um, everywhere you look, there are bright lights, and uh, there's a smile on the face of a lot of people. And we who are Christians know that this is about the birth of our Savior. Uh, we have one more week in First John, and then we'll be in our Christmas programming. So don't miss a day during the month of December. Thanks for listening, and uh, be sure to join us on Monday when you come back again to the Turning Point Study of First John.
0: Today's message came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. To let us know how God is using Turning Point to deepen your faith, write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098 Delta, B.C., V4L 2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's encouraging new 365-day devotional for 2022, Every Day with Jesus. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, with helpful notes and articles from decades of study by Dr. Jeremiah. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, Living in the Light, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Dear
1: friend, I'm Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'd like to take a moment to speak with you as the world faces the coronavirus pandemic. There is no question we're living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. It is unlike anything, I have experienced in my whole life. And the temptation in times like these is to allow fear and worry to creep into our thoughts and to rob us of our joy. But in these uncertain times, we need to remember that God is still in control. And my prayer for you is that you are healthy, you're in a safe place, and surrounded by those you love. Please keep the ministry of Turning Point in your prayers as well. We will continue to bring the healing power of God's Word to you each day on radio, television, and online. And I really hope this will be a source of encouragement to you during the current coronavirus. So be safe,
0: be in the Word, and be in prayer back again this year the home for christmas channel from david jeremiah and turning point ministries fill your season with all your favorite holiday traditions music carols laughter scripture pageants inspirational bible teaching and more start streaming your christmas favorites and discover new ones completely free and enjoy the home for christmas channel at home in the car or anywhere you need a little christmas visit turningpoint.tv to start streaming today that's Turningpoint.tv.
1: I found the following observation both compelling and convicting. A servant is known by his master's absence. I'll say it again. A servant is known by his master's absence. Think about parents who leave their teenage son at home alone while the parents are away for the weekend. They do that because they trust their son. They have confidence the son will behave the same when they're away as he would if his parents were home. Jesus Christ is our master and he is away right now which says something about how he trusts us. The question is what will he say when he returns? This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how God trusts you on Route 66.
0: Route 66 Driving the Word Home Log on to Route66Life.com